0: Hello, welcome to Herbal Hour. This week, we have a special episode planned for you guys titled The Tao of Medicine. Joining us is my friend and colleague, Alex Hung. He's a massage therapist, a naturopathic medical student, and a student of Chinese medicine. In this episode, we're diving deep into Chinese medical philosophy, looking at the ideas of elements and the phases, what qi is, spirituality, and the mystic this is a really fascinating episode. I hope you guys enjoy. This is the herbal hour. So first, just to start off, how did you, how did you become interested in Chinese medicine?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So Chinese medicine, I actually, have, I have a background in um, my undergrad was in mathematics and uh, economics. So definitely not thinking about being a doctor. Um, but I think the philosophy definitely drew me into Chinese medicine. Mm. Chinese medicine, I think, is a um, it's a way to understand the world. It's a way to see the universe and, like, see how it's applied to the body. Um, but in that same time, you can apply that to your life and how you live. Um, so I think what drew me into that is that aspect of, of philosophy being applied and being functional.
0: Mm. I've always found uh, Chinese medicine philosophy very interesting because it has this more intrinsically holistic view mm. of the universe of the human. So the human is actually, you know, part of the universe and through understanding how the universe, the cosmos, how the weather, how the seasons affect uh, life and nature, you can understand the human.
1: Yeah, I would say that is um that's the foundation of understanding Chinese medicine is is to understand that seeing phenomenon that's just a representation of Some kind of truth, and that representation uh, can also be seen in the body, as long as you see the same pattern. And so there's, there's this there's a saying um, in Chinese medicine, Dao Qi Xiang Xing Qi, and Dao meaning the Dao or the way or basically the truth, Um, Qi meaning Qi uh, as in like the energetics, energy, um, kind of what we talk about in Chinese medicine as Qi sensation And then Xiang Which would mean um, Symbolism Um, And I think that's what You're kind of Harking on there Is like Seeing The symbolic nature Of Nature Of the universe And whatever Around you And being able to use that Back into the human body Um, And Xing is form And Qi Meaning uh,
0: Physical matter Mm. Yeah So what What is Qi You know Qi is spoken of very freely as a kind of almost energy that moves through the body what's your understanding of chi from everything that you studied
1: yeah i think in a practical sense um chi you can see you can think of it as a energy um like the magnetic field in your body um you can see it as electricity however you want to see that but um zooming out which i think is important to know if you're gonna uh start learning about chinese medicine is that Chi really, when we use the term chi, it, it can be describing anything. It, um, it is said that everything is chi, and it's just depending on how how much chi is in a in a space, how much how dense the chi is packed together, whether or not it's taking physical form or it's just just a thought or just function, or um, or or electricity or whatever you want to see in it. Um, but I think recognizing that that everything is chi to begin with and going back in um, to see functionally we can see as energy that that points to uh, the importance of the importance of like seeing that like like uh, like yin yang like when we talk about yin yang uh, it's it's about relativity Um, so seeing qi first as everything and then seeing it as um, just energy you can see that like, the importance is, is the relativity there. It's like, whatever function it is, um, you, can, you can look at it in, in any way.
0: Mm. How does um, your understanding of qi apply to uh, the healing power of touch and physical therapies? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, I think my understanding of qi... So, physical touch, I think, is a great way to connect to people... It's a great way to, like, uh, be in sync with somebody without needing to think, without needing to, like, uh, explain what's going on to each other too much. Um, and if everything, we can see that everything is coming from this concept of chi, um, when we go down to the functionality of it, uh, in body work, like, my motion, when it's, when it's contacting someone, is... Is directly feeding into that the other person's body. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think, I think, the connection piece is really, uh, really key there.
0: Mm. So, do you think that chi uh, is some kind of energy that can be uh, transferred into another person?
1: Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think, I think, in a healthy person, uh, when they don't want to receive it, they they'll be their surface will be closed off Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we'll be able to like, you know, have clear boundaries of that. Um, I think there's, there's people that are very sensitive, very, um, like energetically sensitive. They Mm -hmm. can just like feel things, feel other people's emotions and whatnot. Um, and that's, I would say is a transfer into chi. Um, and then there's also the other end of it as the intender to transfer chi. I think, um, I think a lot of times as healers, we do that. We try to, Mm -hmm. um, have a healing intention or whatever it is like, adding supportive energy into somebody. Mm. um, I definitely think that's uh, Mm. part of the practice.
0: Have you ever noticed uh, that when you were doing body work or something that uh, the energy can go back into you? Like there's this idea that you can actually take on the energetic illness of uh, your patient or the client that you're treating. I think, I mean, so just that concept. So one uh,
1: physiological way and one a pathological way. So the pathology of that, I, I do think that if, as a practitioner, you're, you're not clear about your boundaries, um, and that could be physical boundaries, that can be emotional boundaries, um, or just, like, spiritual boundaries, it's very easy to pick up someone else's, mm. uh, I think, especially emotional state. Mm. Um, as long as, especially in, like, something with touch, it's very it's like a, there's a direct line of transference, I think, mm-hmm. um, that's very possible. But I, I do think there's a lot of uh, practices that you can do um, to kind of prevent that. Mm. But on the other hand, I think physiologically, I think there's a good thing about having that intermingle of chi because that gives you a diagnostic tool. It gives you a way to um, to sense someone else's state. Um, and at the same time of doing body work, I think there's such a flow in it that um, the patient may be, may be feeling more energetic, more relaxed, like... At the end of the treatment they feel more vital but at the same time even though you've been you know massaging someone for an hour or 90 minutes or whatever it is like you're not depleted mm. you go into the state with the patient and it's almost like it's almost like you're going through that practice together like you're working on them but you're also working on yourself as you're as you're doing the body work
0: yeah i've um i was telling you before i i've noticed that uh when i was doing reiki on a friend So there was this one time with uh, my good friend Eric. We went out to a park and this was just when I got my uh, grade two certification in Reiki. Typically there's three degrees of it. Mm -hmm. So I was just from the master level. Uh, And it's it's a really interesting uh, healing art because it's just kind of laying on of hands. You're not actually massaging. You're making all these symbols, uh, meditating, saying these prayers and mantras. And then you're kind of just uh, placing your hands either lightly on the person's body or kind of off of their body. But what I noticed, so we're out at a park and, um, I'm like, I can try Ricky on you. He's like, yeah, sure. That sounds awesome. So Mm we, we went out there, he's laying and I'm just sitting and I'm getting in this kind of, um, meditative state. And as I go deeper and deeper into it, I was telling you, I felt this kind of, um, this bliss and happiness, Mm -hmm. this kind of, um, meditative awareness just from doing the practice of the healing and it made me really think that some kinds of, I guess you could say, energy uh, flows through you. So typically, Mm. uh, Reiki practitioners believe that it's almost like energy comes from the divine or source or spirit, the Tao, and comes through your body. So you're a channel. So. To the question that I asked you before of can you take in negative energy, they say no because you're not using your own energy. You're channeling something through right. you. Um, that might just be a theoretical basis though because yeah. I've definitely noticed uh, with certain patients that I dealt with, I seem to take on their symptoms. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, I definitely.
1: I have noticed that. I do feel like especially when I first started um, doing massage like full time, that was it was – Really quick to learn that At the end of the day I'm tired from like Physical labor But I'm, I think Mostly I'm tired when, when I have a lot Of really sick patients um, And this idea of like Bringing in energy From the cosmos um, in, Into your work I think Is Very important In In, in Chinese medicine um, In doing acupuncture Or, or Doing uh, Body work um, But that That isn't to say that you Like just because You're You're Aware of um, aware of the greater energy that you're drawing on, I think that prevents you from depleting your own energy mm-hmm. as you're as you're healing. But I think there's also another step of making clear boundaries for yourself so you don't receive.
0: So, so where, th- does, uh, where does where does chi relate to this? Because often chi is talked of as this like almost spiritual energy. And in the more kind of metaphysical, or you can call new age movements, Mm -hmm. it's thought of as, you know, all the same thing they say, chi equals prana equals Mm -hmm. spiritual energy equals vital force. And they equate everything together. What what do you think about that?
1: I think, I think superficially, like that makes it confusing Mm because everything seems like the same thing. Um, (laughs) But I think it it does make sense why they use that term like that, because just like what I was saying earlier, like chi can be anything like mm. in, in the most generic definition of chi is just whatever that exists. Um, but the importance of remembering chi is, is defined within the context that it's in. And so mm. like in, in Chinese medicine, like f- physiology, you can say that there's like source chi, there's defensive chi, there's nutritive chi, mm. there's stomach chi, there's upright chi. And all these things we can all say that they're Chi like and practically you can you know generally tonify them all together but but you can also separate them and and the separation of them isn't because oh this is you know this is one thing and this is another thing but the separation is based off of what it's doing at the time what function is um, and so I think in in the Taoist lineage of uh, Chinese medicine um, that my my teacher is from, mm-hmm. So this idea of like you breathe in the clear chi from the, the heavens, you, you take in um, the food chi from the food mm-hmm. and then your spleen and lung combine them and create ancestral chi. And so like and then from the ancestral chi, you gather all the other organs chi and then you move it into uh, true chi. And then from true chi, then you can split up into nutritive and defensive chi. And so like it's, it's all the same thing that's coming through. Mm. But it's just when when it's flowing through the channels and providing channel function that you can say that, oh, that's my liver chi moving or but that chi when it moves to the surface then it becomes defensive chi moving. Mm. Um, So I think I think that's the reason why you can say, oh, so many of these things are all chi.
0: Does it make sense to think of chi as almost a kind of power? Like. Uh, liver qi as being the power of the liver or the function of the liver. Yeah. Be- because um, the obviously the functions of the Chinese medicine organs, they correlate in a lot of ways with uh, how we understand them from a more modern perspective. Mm-hmm. Like uh, liver qi stagnation, that's kind of like an obstruction of mm-hmm. uh, bile, typically. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a different pattern. It overlaps. Right. Where do these sciences meet where does where yeah. does science conventional medicine modern science and Chinese medicine meet because you're studying naturopathic medicine and Chinese medicine I'm just studying right. naturopathic with a little bit of Chinese on my own right um, where do they meet that always that I question always fascinates me
1: that is a really great question I think that's something that you know our school and many other schools that have both these programs are trying to like create a dual degree to, Mm -hmm. to teach that. But I don't think, I actually don't think you can really, um, teach that in a systematic way. I feel like after learning the two, like each individual need to meet them, have them meet together. Mm. Um, I mean by themselves. Um, but going to your example of, um, liver cheese stagnation. Yeah. We can say that the physical liver and what biomedicine attributes to the liver, the functions there, um, not all, but most will attribute to the Chinese uh, Chinese medicine concept of the liver. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, we have, um, because the Chinese uh, system is, is based off of seeing the whole and splitting it up into parts... Mm. <clears throat> there's nothing that's like undiscovered yet. Whereas like in, Mm. in, in a Western scientific realm, it's like, you can only attribute this function to something when you, when you research it and you see that it's doing that. Mm. And so then there's a lot of functions in our body that we're not like, Oh, I don't know where that comes from. Um, So I guess I'm just, I'm just saying that because, because there's functions of the liver, for example, like regulating your menstrual cycle, um, like moving the blood, like having anger, or planning like lifelong These are related goals. to the Those liver. Those are all energy. the liver doing mm-hmm. things. That's all the li- that's all the liver energy moving.
0: But it's almost like the, it's also the metaphysical liver. Let's yeah. say it's not just like the physiological liver. It's something beyond it.
1: Um, I mean, I think, I think in Chinese medicine, the, it's, it's important to recognize there's not so much that distinction, that distinction doesn't exist because the medicine itself is based off the energetic body. Mm. It's not based off of the physical body. Mm. So when we say phys- physiology in Chinese medicine, we're talking about the physiology of the energy. We're not talking about the physiology of the liver cells, the, mm. the like metabolic waste in the liver, mm. whatever.
0: Mm. Yeah. So I understand that in Chinese medicine, there's this idea of uh, meridians mm-hmm. that this qi travels through, and certain organ systems have different paths. How do you think um, acupuncture works basically what Mm. is it doing from from your understanding
1: yeah that's a great question i think acupuncture i mean now like in modern science we can see that acupuncture has a bunch of like you know endorphins released and and it's showing that like sham (laughs) acupuncture is just as effective right it works
0: on like the nerves and some kind of pain signals
1: um and i think i think in a population study like that it makes a lot of sense that that's the result that comes Mm. out um it's just like saying oh yeah like you give someone a massage you know, it's going to help them relax. It's going to feel good. Um, but in terms of someone that truly studies Chinese medicine, I feel like acupuncture works by by moving by moving qi, by moving mm-hmm. the qi in the channels. And so the qi in the channels you can see as, as, um, as I guess day-to-day functioning of, of the organs. And so I think a lot of times people separate channel pathology versus organ pathology. So channel pathology is a little bit more superficial, a little bit more um acute short-term uh organ pathology is like when that has happened for a long time then it damages the organ Mm,
0: so channel pathology is kind of like the flow of a river got stopped or it got diverted somewhere else
1: yeah you can say that so like for example using a river analogy a channel the channel is a river Mm -hmm. and the organ let's say is is the lands that the river flow through Mm. and so like the river can have turbulence, can have dry dry spells or whatever mm. that go through in the in the river, and that can be short lived, but only after like months or years, or like decades of the river being damaged, that the land actually sees the results of that. Um, and so acupuncture, I would say, um, works on the river, r- works on that um, that flow of energy, it, more so than, for example, herbal medicine. I think. And more directly affect the organs.
0: huh How does um, physical medicine, massage therapy, uh, the healing power of touch relate to those channel systems? Are you actually changing yeah. around how they function? I mean, there's things like acupressure, right, where mm-hmm. there's no needle put in, but you press down on uh, those those points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, from
1: from the healing power touch, I guess we can just talk about that a little bit. I would say, um, the physical connection that we, that we make with uh, like skin to skin contact, I feel like is the easiest way to like have a trend, like a, like a connection of, of our chi mm-hmm. and versus using a needle, um, or using other instruments. I think you need, uh, you need a lot more practice in order for that to like, mm-hmm. um, be as healing. Um, but you can definitely have effects like acupuncture, I think, from um, massage, especially from acupressure or even um, like a lot of people in Japan are now using uh, uh, tations, which are non-insertive mm. needles. Um, and you kind of you place them on the points, but it doesn't go, it doesn't break the skin. Um, but acupuncture working on, you know, the, the, that flow we're, that we're talking about like, it can, like, it breaking the skin, I think, allows it to go deeper and have effects that are, like, um, give the pr- practitioner leverage, essentially. Like, it, it, it gives you access to somewhere that you can go, like, dredge the river. Versus mm-hmm. doing massage, like, like, you can go, like, you can do deep tissue massage and whatnot and use different techniques to try to penetrate deeper. But mm-hmm. in general, you are relatively more surface level than doing acupuncture. Um, but you can ha- use the same like, uh, concepts, the meridian concepts, you can use the same philosophies to approach the body in that sense.
0: Mm. Have you, uh, studied into elect, electro acupuncture before where they actually use acupuncture needles on those same points, but they put some kind of electrical current through it. What's your take on that? Cause that's no. almost like a, a, like a biomedical bioenergetics view of how acupuncture is working. Yeah, I think that's, um, I don't know what my take on that is actually, but I do,
1: I I mean, that, that is a a form of stimulation Mm. and we do do, we do like stimulate, like in ancient times too, they, doing acupuncture, they'll, you know, like thrust the needle, rotate it or whatever to stimulate the point. Mm. And the electrical current, um, you can say is also stimulating in that sense, Um, there is a um, a concept in the, in the in the past. Now they don't do it, I think, probably because legal reasons, called maizen, which mm. means, my means to bury. And so they would, the, the practitioner would put a needle in and, like, bury the needle and leave the needle in for, you know, days.
0: Oh, my God. Weeks, and later <laughs> That's re- a lawyer's worst nightmare yeah. of <laughs> medical <laughs> malpractice. Definitely. Have you heard those, uh, not to derail the conversation too much, but it's actually... Um, not that rare for a surgeon to you know do some kind of operation and accidentally forget their tool in the person's body no. <laughs> or the like the gauze pad. Yeah. yeah, it's super common and it's a a gigantic source of malpractice claims that go through. I can totally can you that. imagine that? Like you go, you get a surgery, and, and a you're scuffle. just like <laughs> I've actually heard a, a specific story about that, more than one, but one of them was this woman got like an abdominal operation. Something was removed. I forget exactly what specifically, but after the operation, she just like had all these abdominal pains. She had all these weird digestive issues for like months and months. She kept going back to the doctor and he was like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, you know, that you're fine or whatever. Yeah. And, um, Eventually, they found out. Uh, I think they did an X-ray or something, yeah. and they found an actual metallic instrument still in no. her body. Yes, <laughs> on an X-ray, and yeah, that's a malpractice soup for sure, <laughs> definitely. And they're like, "Oops,
1: oops." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, like, I mean, continue on that derailing. I think surgery. I think just in terms of, I mean, naturopathic medicine as well. Like surgery is such an invasive thing, mm-hmm. it's such a like so high on our therapeutic order, um, and and that is a mistake. But at the same time, just us putting these exogenous things into the body to try to try to fix it, quote unquote, it's it's hard to believe that um, that is truly doing like that is truly doing good for that many people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not really sure how how much I, I want to. You know, put my money on surgery
0: right. for long term. So it's it's interesting um, <clears throat> here in Oregon, naturopathic physicians can do pretty much everything an MD can do. We can we can prescribe, we can order labs, um, diagnose, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, write forms that people need for their yeah. work or their school. But we only can do minor surgery, meaning right. like you're only allowed to do uh, incisions like above the skin. So you can like r- remove warts and moles yeah. and, you know, uh, suture up a wounds, yeah. but you can't do like deep surgery. Yeah. Can't go
1: past the dermis layer.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, unfortunately as, as it is now, we won't get a chance to do like deep surgery. Although that's not, but I think I don't know. I, if it, I
1: wouldn't say that's unfortunate. I feel like that is staying true to our medicine in mm. a sense too. Like, like even like, let's say we do allow NDS to do surgery. And like, I don't know. Like, we go through school. <laughs> yeah, what would that we look start, like? You start doing surgeries, and like,
0: we're just jumping to the top of the totem pole every time. Mm-hmm. Like, are we truly? Can we truly call ourselves ND anymore? Like, right. It's like, oh, I'm a I'm a naturopath. I use all natural substances. Let me just snip out this organ out of your body, and <laughs> I'll give you like a calendula tincture on top of it. Yeah, the then, wound. then I'm a naturopath. I'm a naturopath now. <laughs> so yeah. it makes it makes sense. It makes um, sense. That's not part of our. Yeah, surgery is interesting. Um, my uh my father is actually a general surgeon okay. and he has been for most of his life since Ukraine and he, yeah. he tells me uh, a lot about it and uh, I've gotten chances to uh shadow him when he was actually like working in the middle of an operation That's cool. and it is intense man yeah. I remember one of these times he was doing a gallbladder removal a yeah. super common procedure for Uh, Something called cholecystitis When the gallbladder becomes uh, Infected Filled with pus And it Mm -hmm. It has the danger of like Rupturing and uh, Spreading the bacteria Into the body So a lot of times they Once it gets to that point They just have to remove it And usually From what I've seen Herbs can't really touch that Hmm. Because it's like The process is so far gone It takes usually many years For it to get that bad That now it's just like Uh, It's like almost like a necrotic limb, like a dead limb that's now like you just have to get rid of it because now it's going to kill you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember during one of the surgeries, it was like just like it was on TV. Like they were like snipping out different parts and they... Uh, one of the residents that was working snipped like one of the arteries and artery just started squirting blood and they were doing it um, laparoscopic. So yeah. that means with those like cameras yeah. that they use. And I just saw on the screen, like this just gush of blood. Yeah. And uh, the residents started panicking, yeah. started panicking. Like, what do I do? What do I do? And my dad was just like, like take this, clamp this, like yeah. cauterize this, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's really intense. The reason I bring that up is because when I first came in to uh, naturopathic medicine, I w- was like a lot of people probably, very um, very jaded against pharmaceuticals, very jaded against surgery. Um, I was just like, why would you ever need surgery? But I've come to realize that every medicine has its own place. Like yeah. for certain cancers, the best treatment That's is true, just to remove it. Yeah. Like surgery is like, like 95% successful or something like that. And for other things like, you know, just willy nilly removing people's gallbladders, mm-hmm. It's not so good because yeah. then they their their uh, digestion's messed up for their whole the rest lives. Of their life, yeah. and what else does gallbladder do in the body? Um, in terms of
1: Chinese medicine, yeah, in terms of
0: Chinese medicine,
1: um, the gallbladder is seen as the um, so actually it's like culturally in Chinese, we use the gallbladder kind of like how we use the term guts in in america like Mm. like oh you have no guts like oh you
0: got no gallbladder yeah you got no gallbladder or that that guy had so much gall i can't believe his gall
1: yeah yeah so in that same way um so there's this idea of like uh this like courage
0: Mm.
1: um but in in a more medical in a more chinese medicine uh context it's like the initiator it's it's the it's the organ that that starts the movement of every other organ, mm-hmm. there's this uh, quote in the in the Neijing, which is the the Yellow Emperor's Inner Canon, uh, that says all tw- all twelve organs start from the gallbladder. What? And it's and it's a it's a puzzling quote because we 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 look at the gallbladder being a fu organ, a yang organ, which is generally not seen as. The more quote unquote important ones. And
0: in, in modern medicine, they just they snip just, those things yeah, snip and, and, and toss it. You know, people don't die. They, they'll they always have digestive issues. Yeah. But like it doesn't seem like it's as much of a vital organ uh, physically. But yeah. maybe it's like you were saying that the gallbladder is also uh, that pattern is talking about something beyond it that might even include right. the functions of the liver or right. something, for example. I think,
1: um, yeah, I would say that the gallbladder it definitely overlaps with the function of the liver, mm-hmm. of the, like, biomedical liver. Um, and definitely the gallbladder is not just a sac. Mm-hmm. It's definitely um, a lot more than that. And, and, and it's a lot more than just uh, anything physical, too. It's, there's also, like, emotional functions that are mm-hmm. related to the gallbladder. So so when we say we remove someone's gallbladder, it's not like they don't have a gallbladder mm-hmm. anymore in mm-hmm. terms of Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. It just creates a lot of, you know, probably stagnation, a lot of
0: blood level, stag- deep level stagnation in the gallbladder. Mm-hmm what what is your understanding of the uh, five phases or the five elements in Chinese medicine like a very um, a general way for people to understand like what does water mean what does fire mean what organ is it associated mm-hmm. with yeah so I think
1: um, going back to what I was saying earlier every all the systems in Chinese medicine is a way to look at the whole and break it up so the five phases is looking at the whole and breaking them into five pieces and so um, we start out with like let's just start out with wood. Wood generates fire. Fire generates earth. Earth generates mm. metal. Metal generates water. Water generates wood. Um, and you can see generally you can see that. So the wood, the organs uh, mainly associated with wood is gallbladder and liver, mm-hmm. and they're the they're the initiators. They're the ones that move and move up and out. Mm-hmm. And so the the qualities of wood are. Um, the qualities of wood are to, is is called chu which means chu means um like windy, mm. and zi means straight. And the what I think I think what that means is that like no matter what, wood will find its way. Wood will find its way to the sun. Like you mm. grow a plant underneath, like a house, it'll keep growing, and either it pushes through the roof mm. or it's gonna bend around the roof, you know. And so that that quality of of
0: moving out of Yangzi, moving out towards the sun. Right. So that's the the wood energy. Mm-hmm. I um I recall some alternate translation of it being like tree or plant, meaning okay. like the green, like living force of plants, not like the dead. Not wood. Not the dead wood. Yeah. Yeah. I would say yeah. I mean, okay. So the character
1: for wood in Chinese is a picture of a tree. Hmm. Um, it's not like a picture of a block of wood. <laughs> yeah. <you know>? So <laughs> the picture of a tree. I, I would say that. The quality of wood, I mean, like associated with springtime and all, like it's it's more about the life, the life mm. of the life of plants, not, right? It's associated not with not about a piece of wood, yeah. Uh-huh. And I sense so, like so, like for example, um, so moving through the elements, I guess we can just do a little bit about each one. Fire, uh, fire's quality is yensang, which means to blaze upwards, mm. and so fire is like the epitome of yang. Like everything is moving up. You're at the maximum amount of movement and energy. Mm-hmm.
0: And yang is that that active masculine um force. Yeah, yang is, yeah,
1: yang is the force, let's just say yang is the force of movement and yin is the force of consolidation. Mm. Um and then moving down to earth, earth is a container, earth holds in all the other el- uh, other elements and then metal coming down is is the kind of the opposite of wood. And so like if you look at metal the qualities we attribute to it is, like, consolidation um, and containing. Mm. But then if you look at a piece of metal, you're like, oh, like, this physical thing, like, maybe it's, like, hard and whatever. But, but actually, um, when metal is, like, created, it's after, like, years and years of, like, pushing together, you know? Mm. And I think that's why the quality of it is consolidation.
0: It's fascinating that in the kind of Greek system of elements, uh, fire, water, earth, and air a lot of times uh, air is considered almost equated with metal.
1: Oh, is it? Okay. It's
0: uh, because in the Greek system, air is the energy of thought, the energy mm-hmm. of like rationality, mm-hmm. um, this kind of electricness. Yeah. And that's kind of how I think of metal because doesn't metal like conduct electricity? So I almost yeah. think of it as like, thinking beyond metal, like what does metal mm. carry or thinking beyond wood? And like, what right. does wood represent all oh, life Definitely. plants? So, not the physical thing.
1: So the, yeah. So the, with the thought pattern um, of air, that, that is like attributed to metal to like logical thinking. Um, but the, the two word like nature of metal in Chinese is 重歌, mm-hmm. and means to follow. Mm-hmm. And means to like change or revolutionize. Mm-hmm. And those two are like, like seemingly very two different things. And I think it's because metal has a quality of like like if you have a sword, you can make people do things. You can get action mm. to happen. And metal I think is seen as like the hardest substance in ancient times mm. and has the power behind it. But at the same time they use the word for to follow or to like be submissive to chong. and I think that's because metal once you melt it down it can become anything. You can create anything with it. Mm, it's so it has, like almost
0: malleable. Yeah. Kind of like malleable. air.
1: It's very like uh, flowy. Yeah. And so so mm. it, at the same time, it holds both those functions. And those functions aren't from when you think about like a, a hard piece of metal. It's from the characteristics of the whole phenomenon of mm-hmm. metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, what is the last phase? The last phase water. Um, so the water, the two word characteristics of water is runxia. Rum means to to soften or moisten or mm. make smooth. And mm. Xia means to go down. And there's actually a quote in the Tao Te Jing, um, The greatest good is is like water. Mm. Meaning that water always finds lowest place. Meaning that like like everything around you like holds the truth of the Tao. Well mm. this is my interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Is everything around you holds the truth of the Tao? And the only like true way of being quote unquote good is is to like have that humble, have that humble heart and always be down and always be receiving. Mm. And so like going back to Chinese medicine, water is winter, winter is storage. And it's mm. always about like the kidneys, which is the water organ, the kidney and the bladder, mm-hmm. they're about consolidating. They're about bringing the energy down and saving, saving for when you need it, mm. then you can bring it out. And then, and then use it.
0: A very uh, yin phase. Yes, in that a would sense, be a very right? yin phase. Yes. Hmm. And I love this quote by Bruce Lee. Everyone's heard mm-hmm. it. You know, be like water. Uh-huh. Um, you can you can crash or you can flow, um, and water can even wear down a boulder in ways that physical matter can't. So it's this idea of supreme adaptability, mm-hmm. um, being flexible. They say. You know, the bamboo uh, stem that sways in the wind and bends doesn't break. Right. So water is like that um, kind of flowy adapting element. And it's interesting that from the the Greek elements, when we talk about water, we it's often related to emotion, actually, hmm. to like uh, feeling. And for uh, Chinese medicine, they say that the emotion associated with kidneys is fear,
1: correct? Yeah, it's fear.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's like there's some emotional element too in the Chinese medicine right. theory.
1: And I think... So what are the Greek four elements of Greek
0: medicine? Uh, they're fire, water, earth, and air.
1: Earth and air. And okay.
0: sometimes in some systems they have a fifth element called ether or something like that. Okay,
1: yeah. Yeah, so I think... Um, so all five of the elements in Chinese medicine has an emotion related to mm. it. And I would say that uh, the one element or the one organ I would say that controls... Or is like the master of all emotions is the liver, like mm. through the wood element. But
0: the commander of the, the army, command- the
1: general, the general of the army. Yeah. Mm. But I think the idea behind that, I mean, it's hard. You can't say the water in Chinese medicine is the same as the water in Greek medicine. Mm. But the liver, the wood energy is generated by the water, and that create that's like the foundation. But the emotions mm. of having like an emotion emerge and. Uh, be expressed like that's an expression
0: of wood like a sprout coming yeah, like out like a the sprout ground, coming out but maybe it's maybe it's manifest. source maybe it sources from from the water mm. now um metal
1: mm-hmm.
0: it always interests me that metal is associated with the um large intestine mm-hmm. and what is the other organ it's associated the with lung. the lung right. so how how is that that metal mm. is associated with you yeah. know like uh your your guts and your breathing
1: yeah uh organ yeah and actually so thinking about that interesting is the lung out of all the the five zang organ, all the storing organs the yin organs it's the it's the most like unsolid like least solid one it's like all this empty space oh it's it's know? considered
0: a a hollow organ no it, well, it's, it's considered it's not. a solid it's con- organ
1: it's considered a solid organ really but like the liver is like you cut into it. It's just a solid piece of liver. same with the kidneys. Interesting because the lungs aren't the lung, quite yeah, really the solid. There's like, like little
0: uh, kind of like sacks all over it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but the reason why the the functions of the lung and large session that's attributed to the, its quality of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, so the metal, as I was saying earlier, it consolidates, right? So in contrast with the wood energy of moving up and out, the, the metal energy is going down and in. Um, and so the large intestine, we can we can see that clearly as the large intestine is where we defecate from, and that's the energy. It almost consolidates, it right? It consolidates, yeah. It consolidates all the waste and it
0: pushes it out. That's an interesting view because the lungs they kind of almost uh, consolidate the air into oxygen and get rid of everything else. So right. it's almost like, uh, almost like extracting some kind of important thing and then getting rid of the waste. Like the right. the colon is like that too. It uh, gathers all the you know. Uh, especially the large intestine, all the water yeah. out, and then it, um, and it, then it just lets the you know, <laughs> yeah, lets the microbiome out. So the, <laughs> um, so the so the
1: lung, so the lung of bringing in what I was saying earlier about the Qing, the the clear the clear Qi that the lung brings in, mm. and that's 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 I, I would say that's like the heavenly Qi, like like the act of bringing down energy from the heavens. And consolidate it into your body, that's, that's the lung's function. Mm. And then the lung also moves qi downwards to like provide qi for the rest mm. of the body. Um, and so th- I think that's uh, one of the major reasons why it's considered a metal organ.
0: Mm. Now, and what makes... This is another thing that fascinated me when I was uh, studying a little bit of Chinese medicine philosophy. What makes the heart associated with fire? Yeah, that's a Because it's question. not like really... Uh, it's kind of intuitive, but not like really exactly. Yeah. So in ancient
1: times, before before the Neijing, before the Inner Canon was written, mm-hmm. um, the heart was actually an earth organ. Wow. The heart was seen as an earth organ, and it's and it's a, because the term heart in Chinese xing, means heart, but also means the center. Mm. And so the earth is earth is clearly the center element. It holds all the other elements, mm-hmm. so it's, it's definitely in the center. Um, but I think modernly when we look at um, the heart, um, the heart is the emperor of the organ networks. It's mm. the one that has holds the vision. It's the one that sees the direction of life. It's the one that tells everyone else where we're going, but everyone else has their own functions so mm-hmm. they know how we get there.
0: It's and like so that, the, that person has a good heart or mm-hmm. they follow their heart or yeah, they have their heart, heart on exactly. their sleeves. We use these terms... These old uh, idioms, these old ways of speaking, and they're part of our language. But at the same time, from a biomedical perspective, uh, you'll be laughed at if yeah. you say that, you know, my feeling comes from my heart, like like the physical organ or yeah. something. Yeah,
1: that, that's true. And I think that's curious when we um, earlier were talking about transplants. Yes. And like heart transplants, people so do, but, but people have weird effects from it. People get different memories, different personalities from having a heart transplant. Like, like there's definitely things stored in the heart that are not in your brain.
0: I heard of, um, a story of someone getting an organ transplant and, um, they got an organ transplant. They didn't know who it was from. It was like donated by somebody who died. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget exactly which organ it was. It might've been a heart actually. Um, and it was like a younger younger girl and she had these night terrors that she was um, being like murdered in her sleep or murdering someone in her sleep and just like constantly, like, right after the surgery, she just had tons of these dreams that she's never had before. Um, and she had very specific dreams, mm-hmm. but apparently um, they found out that the person that gave her the heart was like a criminal and he, di- uh, he uh, committed murder And then that's like kind of how he ended up dying. It was like related to um, law enforcement or revenge or something like that. And they just took his or, but they didn't like know he was associated with it at the time. Yeah. So like no one knew it's
1: anonymous Uh, donor.
0: And supposedly in this story, they found out the nature of their crimes and found out where some kind of bodies were hidden or something from her dreams.
1: That's crazy.
0: Like that story is a little bit hard for me to believe, but if it's true, like does that mean like our hearts store memories?
1: Well, I would say, I would say store it will store some of your memories, and I mm. think that, I think that like memory itself, I think in Chi, in terms of Chinese medicine, like everything can be split. You know, like so memory as a concept, you can say that there's there's memories like Different day to day memories. memories that like okay, I'm just using these memories to function. These are my patterns, and that might be stored in like like a lungs. muscle memory. Yeah, like that.
0: Where is that? Is that in
1: the brain or is it in the muscle? Yeah, or neither. But then the heart, what the heart will store is the memories that define you is the memories that like like give you direction in your life that Mm. that tell you who you are and so like for Mm -hmm. this murderer, maybe like that was his identity
0: and that 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 would make sense why that would um Mm -hmm. be passed down in um in more ancient understandings in uh in greek medicine they believed that the heart was the the resting place or the residence of the soul Mm -hmm. they actually believed that that's where your soul is not in your not in your head. Yeah. Uh, like liver is where you get your like life force from, they believed, but your heart is actually where your soul, yeah. your personality comes from.
1: That's cool. Cause I mean, I think a lot of most, I would say most traditional medicines that I've been exposed to, the heart is the center, the, the heart, like in mm. Chinese medicine, um, there's five spirits and the heart holds the spirit that's called spirit, which, mm. which, 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 I, which I would say, yeah, the shen, which I would mm. say is the soul. Whereas like the liver, the lung, mm-hmm. they all her, hold like different spirits that mm-hmm. are named something different, which mm-hmm. means that they're, they're not the central spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the one that we didn't touch on is the earth phase. Mm-hmm. Now that's related to the,
1: that's related to the spleen and the stomach, the spleen and the stomach. How is that earth? I think this, I think this concept actually naturopaths like would, uh, probably really agree with, uh, mm. being the center. Cause the spleen stomach, uh, so the stomach, from Western perspective, is like the entrance of your digestive system, right? Right. So the stomach, in Chinese medicine, the stomach family is referring to the stomach, small intestine, large intestine, the mm-hmm. whole intestine tract. Mm-hmm. And then the spleen, uh, the spleen's function, it really holds the functionality of the whole whole digestion. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as earth goes... There's, I mean, there's functions like the spleen, like controls, like holding in the blood and holding the position of the organs. And that can be like a container kind of thing for the earth. But also the earth, what it does is it holds and transforms. Mm. And so really what we're, when we're eating, we're taking in this, it's like postnatal energies from food. They
0: call it food chi, right? Food. Yeah. And then, and then mm. you
1: take it in and it's food and then the spleen, the spleen's And the stomach family's function turns it in, transforms it into food qi. Mm. And then once it becomes qi is when you can actually Almost like calories. Yeah, it's like almost like calories. You can say that. Like Like, calories, I guess, would be like... But beyond calories because also vitamins and minerals
0: and other uh, elements. And it also makes me wonder. So a couple of hundred years ago, no one really knew about this idea of like calories. People understood that, you know, you eat food, you need it to live. You gain weight if you eat too much. You can burn it up in a sense. Uh, But no one knew about like vitamins. They knew that there was something uh, essential in food that like you couldn't just eat rice your whole life. Like something bad would happen to you. You would get malnourished. Um, That always makes me wonder like, do we really understand everything that's in food? Like- we just know about vitamins and minerals and all this, but a couple hundred years ago, no one knew about those things. Right. In a couple hundred years, what are we going to know about food? Right. That there's some other aspect yeah. of it that keeps us alive? And it's why like processed food is actually uh, harming people, maybe more than just the fact that it lacks nutrients. Maybe it just right. lacks some kind of vital energy that right. is hard I think to that's a uh, That's a
1: good question. I think that's a question good for both herbal medicine because mm. there's a big push in like knowing constituents nowadays. Yes. It's also a big question in di- and, um, like dietetics because like nowadays we have so much food that's just genetically modified. and yeah. And who knows what that's doing really? Like physically, we might be able to say that, oh, there's like minimal amounts of pesticides in that mm. or like the modification doesn't change the vitamin profile or the nutrient mm. nutrient profile of the, of the crop. But you go and and we look at modern disease and there's so many changes Mm. since the start of, um, like industrialization and, and having this like massive amount of population needing to feed this amount of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, I can't, I don't have any basis on saying this, but like, like I definitely feel like food has essence beyond material. Mm -hmm. Um, and life has essence beyond material. Mm -hmm. And so with that, with that, you can't you can't say that once I provide the physical elements for the plant to grow well. Mm. Once I provide enough water, enough you know potassium, enough whatever in the soil for the plants to grow well. That means that the plant has the essence. Mm. I think in herbal medicine, you can definitely tell that like plants from different areas of the country or different areas of the the globe, mm-hmm. even if they are like thriving in, in mm-hmm. non traditional areas. The traditional version of the of the herb is is definitely more preferred,
0: and the preparation methods seem to alter the effect. In yeah. my uh, in my experience with herbs, I've typically found that uh, herbal extracts or tinctures, meaning the herb is kind of pulled out into alcohol or vinegar or glycerin or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, and teas typically had the most effect on me. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it might have had the same, you know physical amount of the herb and yeah. and then uh step higher um fresh plants mm-hmm. when you get them right when they're fresh they just have their own whole thing like dried seems like a little bit of a step down from just you know yeah. you literally pick the plant while it's still alive and you eat it or you make it into uh, an extract or tincture like the yeah. second you pick it it just has a completely different strength to it it's yeah. it's hard to explain purely on uh, in a materialistic basis because like it shouldn't be that different yeah
1: it is really hard to explain materialistically and I think that there is there's definitely like energies that like let's say going back to the five elements like the wood energy of life isn't there really anymore when you dry a plant you mm. know and so like because the
0: vital the vitality the the uh, growth the growth is gone is not there, like it, you, so to you
1: speak. add more water to it it's not going to start growing again which has a lot of plants you cut it off from it it's like mother plant and you put it in the water it starts growing roots you know and that's mm. that's like embodiment of the wood energy interesting but in addition to that i think in chinese medicine if you believe in chinese medicine's like preparation methods you have to recognize that there's something beyond physical there because there's things mm. in our practice that like this thing we're gonna you know steam steam and dry steam and dry steam and dry nine times and you have to do it, you know, this time of the year, because this mm. and during this time is like the summer solstice, the highest amount of yang qi, you know. And like, why do you do it nine times? Because nine is the epitome mm. of yang number. And like, like, how can you explain that biomedically? Like, like that numerical value, mm. like maybe you can say like, okay, mm. there's like consistent changes there, but but it's probably present at eight times. It's probably present at ten times too. But why do we overdo it nine times? And why do we see the most results at nine times? And you can, and like through an economics point of view, like you can kind of see that's true because people that prepare herbs these ways, they can sell their herbs and, and get herbs from traditional, uh, like locations. Mm-hmm. They can sell their herbs for like 10, 20 times the price of people that are having like poor
0: farming methods or, or non-traditional farming methods. Right. Cause that quality is there. Um, I've noticed, so I ordered, um, a, a good amount, I believe it was about five pounds of St. John's wort, mm-hmm. um, And it was from the wild. It was harvested Uh from the wild. And I made it into a tincture extract. Uh, But what I noticed is that when I actually made it into this extract, that extract was so deep red and beautiful. It was like uh, red wine. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me think that much of the medicinal preparations are done in a kind of um, not ideal way. Yeah. Like they use like dried herbs that have been sitting around for a long time. Or they, like you said, they get it from some area of the world where there's not much. supposed to
1: be grown there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, the interesting thing too <sighs> about plants is they're living things. So their environment and the nutrition of the soil um, dictates how they'll have medicinal effects. So there's this effect where certain medicinal plants, you can put stresses on them by like cutting leaves or uh, like kind of depriving them of certain elements mm-hmm. And they'll actually build up more of the medicinal compound To oh, to protect itself yeah. So there's like certain um, Ways of stressing a plant They say that That the hardiest plants The ones that uh, are in the wild Are the strongest medicinally Because there's this idea that the the What we call the medicinal compounds in plants Are the chemicals that the plant Uses to protect itself from its environment And keep itself right. healthy So like uh, it has allicin in it. That's mm-hmm. very antimicrobial. Um, but for garlic, it's also antimicrobial. It keeps it from getting eaten by like yeah, that's uh, true. mold. It keeps it get from getting uh, infested by bacteria. It keeps yeah. other animals from eating it. Yeah. So it develops a lot of that substance. Yeah. So there's almost this metaphysical idea that when we eat something like garlic, we're taking its power,
1: mm-hmm.
0: its chi, yeah. its uh, survival adaptation. And because all of life is so similar between animals and even between plants and animals, a lot of the same compounds are found in us. We Mm -hmm. can almost like adopt their uh, survival benefits.
1: I think that that concept is probably true in most herbal medicine, at least in Chinese medicine. We talk about um, like herbs from uh, like tropic areas, for Mm -hmm. example, like uh, cinnamon is, is a warming herb, drying herb. And it's, and it's, it's doing that because it needs to do that to survive its own climate, you know? But at the same time, I think it's important to recognize, at least in Chinese medicine and in my belief of it, it, not everything is, is physical. And mm-hmm. so even though we can explain like allison is pr- produced because mm-hmm. it, it needs to protect itself from bacteria or worms mm-hmm. or whatever, there might be an antimicrobial effect of garlic that's not due to a compound. It might be an mm. antimicrobial effect of garlic that's due to some, kind of, some energetic. kind of energetic signature, and I think a lot of people talk about herbs that have specificity of seat, and sometimes we can figure out a com- like mm-hmm. some compound in that that like okay this is why it's seated there. That means but oftentimes uh, it's just mm-hmm. I believe it's just mm-hmm. an energetic uh, signature that resonates with that organ that or that area of the
0: body. Right now, specificity of seat is where the uh, herb or substance has most of its effect and what organ system. Right,
1: It has an affinity there.
0: Right. Well, that, that's an interesting concept in and of itself because um, if these terms are true, and I've had the experience with herbalism that they are very true, like mm-hmm. you take milk, thistle really does affect your liver, and there's research behind it. Right. But why does that compound go to your liver? I mean, you take the compound right. in and it goes throughout your whole bloodstream. So why does it end up in the liver? It's kind of hard to explain it from biochemical perspective. Yeah, that
1: is hard to explain. Why did
0: it go there? Yeah. Why is it acting mostly there? Or maybe we just don't see the full effect of it and it mostly affects the liver or something.
1: And I think the, the great thing about Chinese medicine being a tool is that... Like being a way of looking at, at the world is that mm. like... You don't need to find the nitty gritty. You just need to find the overall expression. Mm. So like... Um, so you look at an herb and you look at how it's grown or how it grows or how it expresses itself. And then that same phenomenon, you look for that in your body,
0: mm, the then, microcosm macrocosm, right?
1: And, and that way you can see the specificity to see. So like mm. a classic example is like, uh, the herb, which I think is, uh, eucomia, mm. and it's herb used as a kidney tonic, but it's also used, mm-hmm. um, to rebuild bones and sinews mm. and you, you get the bark of it and you break it open. And you stretch it and it's, it's like the sticky material that, mm. that you stretch apart. It looks like sinews. You That's know? the
0: ancient theory of uh, the doctrine of signature. The doctrine of signature, yeah. Uh, very, very common through ancient medicine mm-hmm. where they believe, like you said, that something about the way that the herb appears or the way it acts gives some kind of um, indication of how it can be used. Yeah. And we find plenty of examples of that. Um, it's fallen largely out of fashion, even in herbalism. But some, some good examples that people know very well and very intuitive. Um, what does a tomato look like? Like a heart. It looks like a heart. It even <laughs> has like the chambers. Yeah. It's red. And all these studies have been showing that one of the uh, main compounds in a lycopene has all sorts of heart protective effects. Yeah. And then what does a walnut look like? The brain. It looks like the brain, right? And it's yeah. uh, packed full of omega-3s, which are like there's... Good solid research that omega threes really help your nervous system and your right. brain function. Right. So it's uh, there's a lot of these uh, connections that we right. might not see. Um, I've noticed too with um, I love Marionberries, right? Mm-hmm. If you live in Oregon, you got to eat Marionberries, especially yep. frozen ones or Marionberry pie. It's Mar- so berry good. Marionberry pie. Marionberry pie. Classic Bogdan. <laughs> it's so good, right? I, I <gasps> gave you a Marionberry pie. Yep, How was that? Yeah, was up? Yeah. But what I noticed is. Uh, when I squeezed out the juice and I was eating, I'm like, this is such a deep red, like dark red crimson. I'm like, this must be good for your blood.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know if there's any research about it being good for your blood, but I looked at the nutrition facts and it's packed full of iron. Actually. Oh, okay. It has like one serving has like 40% daily value of uh, iron. Okay. What is blood? Yeah, blood and iron.
1: Berry. That's, that's kind of
0: rare. It's weird, right? Yeah. And it looks like it. You can almost like, if you know what to look for, you could be like, hmm.
1: And then yeah. you can almost
0: like relate it back to right. uh, the biochemical. Right. Although it seems kind of a little bit reverse engineering sometimes. And I would
1: say that like about this reverse engineering, I just don't like I don't want people to to fall into the idea that like, oh, th- this ancient knowledge is only was only there for they can so they can remember or they just like trial and error. I've and heard found that. It, you know? Yeah, that, I've like, heard that. Yeah. I think that's ridiculous to think that like there's no system of understanding that can let you have this knowledge without trial, like thousands of trials and errors. Mm-hmm. And now that we can, and now that some of it we can prove by science, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that the like phenomenological science of symbols,
0: like we can't use anymore. Right. That it's so. I exactly agree with you, and I think that uh, the beautiful synthesis comes in when you have both methods working, so that you don't. Um, you know, you look at a plan, you're like, it looks like that. It must do that. And like, don't experiment with it yeah. to prove that that's actually right. how it works and are willing to say that it doesn't work like that. Right. So I think if we combine both, then we can have a very intuitive way of gaining knowledge, but we can also keep a check with a critical mind. And, you know, some systems of medicine, alternative therapy, they devolve into like, I feel like it works like this. So it does. Yeah. And like people write whole books Super about <laughs> about like uh, their theories of medicine. And it's like, yeah but none of that actually works like that's a really fancy cool like theory to think about but like it's not actually like that and like i'll give you the example why it's not like that
1: and and so like for me being a student in chinese medicine and naturopathic naturopathy right now i think that the naturopathic program for me is very grounding Mm. because there is a lot of emphasis in our program about like evidence-based medicine Mm. and chinese medicine is is a Is a great way of thinking, but it's also it can get kind of unhinged, and uh,
0: you just start uh, relating every pattern to everything, and then eventually everything is everything, and you don't have any useful knowledge. Yeah, nothing's
1: useful, and then you can you can put everything in your bias, and so like for example, uh, one time I was talking um, to a teacher, and I was like talking to him about some symptoms I was having, um, and they're like, "Okay, well that makes sense to like this." concept and this concept and that concept like develop these symptoms and i was like oh actually you heard me wrong my symptoms are actually the opposite and they're <laughs> like oh okay well that makes sense from you know i can just do a different route it's like it's
0: like you can make it you make, can sense, make, make sense anything makes sense but that Chinese means medicine. that um that means that it's like that reverse engineering thing where you can right. make it true through some way it's like right you know when you um when you give like you're doing a math problem, you were a mathematics major, right? Right. Uh, when you give somebody a math problem, it's like going through from beginning to end is like really difficult sometimes. But if someone gives you the yeah, answer, sure. how much easier is it? Because you can exactly. reverse engineer and you can find your way, and you could be like, "Here, teacher, here's I got it." And the teacher's like, "Actually, if you did that forward, you wouldn't get it. Yeah, it doesn't actually work like that. Right. Like, you came up with a way to get there, but that way is not actually true.
1: Right." And that I think I think in modern science that they like just the idea of, like the the way we learn now. Like if you're really rigorous about it, logical thinking I, I don't think is very flawed. Like you can, uh, just go in one direction and find the real answer, but you have to be really disciplined to not make shit up, when you're trying to get there.
0: Yeah, well that's the thing about logic is um, that force of energy of mind. It's very. Um discriminatory in the sense that it discriminates one thing from another. Mm -hmm. So it keeps things kind of in a box. Mm -hmm. So it can't really generate knowledge. It can only generate knowledge in a very like, this goes to this, goes to this, goes to this. But I think it's great power is like, you have all this intuitive information, you have all this experiential information and you like kind of weed out what's true and what's not by like following a logical process. So it's more difficult to create knowledge, but it can guide you and keep you honest to the truth because logic has a uh, almost intrinsic beyond human truth value yeah. to it. it.
1: Yeah. It keeps you grounded. And I mean, I would almost say that I would use the word knowledge or like fact. I think it can create, it can create knowledge, but it, what it doesn't do is create insight. Mm-hmm. I think insight comes from, comes from ways of thinking that traditional medicines use mm-hmm. ways of observing and from observation, not logically coming up with something, but through observation and using your body as as like a vessel, having an expression out of that. And that insight, you can go and use the logic to try to explain it or try oh, to man. put um, the put like more grounded, objective you know, mm. truth to that. But it's so hard to come up with insight
0: because it's uh, reductionism. Yeah. Reductionism is a kind of foundational uh, philosophy, let's say of uh, conventional sciences as practice. So it believes that you can understand reality by looking at the parts and Mm -hmm. you can keep looking deeper, deeper into the parts, more minuscule and you'll come to a more fine understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, And the symbol of that is like the microscope. It's you see more and you see deeper. And the idea is like, eventually if you look deep enough, you'll finally find the truth. And the crazy thing about this is first, like, you know, we found like the cell and then we saw that the cell was made up of little organs. Then we looked into organs, saw it was made up of some kind of compounds. Mm -hmm. Then we looked into that and then we got into, you know, quantum physics where it's like even the atoms are made up of things. Mm -hmm. There's quarks that move around. and The quarks are made up of things. So like you go infinitely deep, but it's like, is there an end to that or Is it that when we look in and we discriminate, we're creating division Mm
1: -hmm.
0: within uh, our conception of reality? Because like there's no such thing as like an atom because in and of itself, it seems because every atom is linked to every other atom in some sense. There's no like, you know, atom somewhere floating in some void. Yeah. But that's how we view it when we talk about it scientifically. As if it's not interrelated and i think that's the beauty of chinese medicine is that it looks at those patterns and the interrelation and thinks that that's more important than necessarily knowing what is that atom right. but like how does that atom hang out with these other atoms right. how do these organs hang out with these other organs
1: yeah yeah i think if you um recognize what i was saying earlier about about chinese medicine theory is always about seeing the whole and then how to divide it mm. so like basic yin yang, you can divide anything into two. Mm. And so, in that sense, you go down to the atom, you can divide it. You go down to the core, you can divide it. You can always keep dividing. And I think that's why there's no focus on that. That's because that's that's useless information. That's always right. going to, you can always divide it more. Because they ask nothing the question the smallest.
0: how can I help this person heal? And there's right. actually a lot of approaches that will get you to a right answer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because uh, healing is, let's say, empirical. It's based on results. Right. It doesn't necessarily care how you get there as long as your theory is at least consistent enough to consistently give you those results. Mm -hmm. So there's theoretically, you know, a hundred different kinds of medicines uh, or theories of how herbs work. And they might have, you know, they might be better suited to other conditions. But theoretically, they can all uh, work. And I think the big argument against alternative medicines as being pseudoscientific and not real is, comes from this fundamental misunderstanding of concepts and how reality itself is not actually a concept. Um, concepts are what we say about whatever this is that we call reality. And it's a way we make maps. So the mm-hmm. map isn't the terrain, right? Um, but it's there as a useful guide and we right. need maps or else you get lost, right? Yeah. Or else you just start making stuff up and walking in random paths.
1: And in a sense, I think like n- natural medicine, nat- naturopathy or Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. they're all maps, but mm-hmm. also science is a map too. It's like just because it's not scientific, Like doesn't mean it's not reality.
0: It doesn't mean it's not a map to some other uh, way of looking at the terrain for a different because there's different kinds of maps. There's altitude maps. There's like thermal maps. There's like weather maps. Mm -hmm. There's sea level maps, all these different maps. And if you were trying to get through a forest, like a thermal map or something, you'd be like, this is a useless map. Like, I don't need this map. Right. So it's like or if you were in a car, like you don't want to know where every tree is. Like you need to know where the road is. So that's the way I kind of think of it now is that each system, if it's, if it's self-consistent in a logical sense with itself, um, it points you towards some kind of understanding. And I think the more holistic uh, kinds of medicine, like Chinese medicine or traditional herbalism, they give you a picture of how to heal someone in a holistic way in uh, taking all of the whole rather than just like focusing on like, oh, you have a pain in your liver, okay, I'm gonna give you an herb for your liver. Right. Thinking more about the interrelation and the patterns. Yeah. So to, to tie this all together, uh this has gotten incredibly philosophical, as I love to get with you. <laughs> How does this tie into physical healing with your hands? Like massage, massage therapies, physical medicine, like because these oh. are very abstract concepts. Right
1: um well i think it goes back to phenomenon so like we go to goes back to the the symbols so we can look at any any concept that we have about the physical body or the physiology or the energetic body and they're all consistent and so Mm -hmm. we can talk about herbal medicine but then you can also apply the same concepts to physical medicine um and i think in terms of my personal practice in um and doing a massage every time I'm learning something in my ND courses or in Chinese medicine, or every time I have a conversation about philosophy, mm-hmm. like that informs my practice mm-hmm. that informs how I interact with the body because that informs what I believe, what, what my perception of the truth is. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think, I think that, I mean, that's still like a very um, abstract way of looking at the connection there. Um, but if you if you want to be more um, uh, like grounded about it, you can see that there's so many different styles of bodywork. There's so many different systems of bodywork. And some have some you look at like and they're like Reiki, for example, like different if you're looking at it from a biomedical point of view, it's like it's not doing anything. Right. And or
0: it's explained as, you know, some kind of biomagnetic or bioelectric yeah, energy field. Because you can't actually measure right. that. So it's just kind of explained in some way that makes sense in that system. Yeah.
1: And then... And so even like orthobionomy, which is um, which is a uh, osteopathic uh, form of body work, is a very mm. gentle type. It's uh, cranial sacral therapy came from that. Oh. Um, Sotai is like a Japanese... Um, Japanese light form of body work as well. And, and all those... Like you... you if you're just thinking about the physical body, it's so hard to think that they're doing anything. You like have ounces of pressure on somebody um, in order to, in order to make changes throughout the whole system. Mm. Um, And then, and then you go to deep tissue and you're like, the concept there is that I'm working with these physical layers and I need to Mm. get down to the root of things in in that sense. So I think the importance in, in talking about philosophy and Mm. talking about, Um, any kind of system in in doing body work is to recognize that there's multiple different bodies you can be working quote unquote bodies you can be working on Mm -hmm. but they're all consistent of the same and you need to be consistent in your idea of what Mm -hmm. you're doing you need to be consistent of your your philosophy as you're doing it in order to have the intention Mm -hmm. of healing
0: yeah, it's fascinating that we even think of things in terms of being materials or matter or hard substances when according to um, physics, the atom is something like 99.9% empty space. space. Right. So where does the solidness come from? Yeah. So it, it doesn't make any sense. It's not just like an atom isn't even really physical if you look at it close enough. Mm-hmm. It's kind of some kind of energy and probabilities of things being there in electron clouds where it's like not even really uh you know these billiard balls that uh travel around that theory isn't true right that theory was thrown away
1: yeah and it's it's hard to i mean it's hard to use this reductionist way to try to re like explain what they have found mm. because because the way we've learned about it is this, like billiard ball kind of
0: Right. Model. So there's a lot of ways to go about knowledge. And I think that's the fundamental issue, um, why there's so much contention between alternative health practitioners and uh, MDs and other kind of docs. Because uh, we're taught that there's only one kind of truth, Mm. the scientific method truth or something. Mm. And then there's no other way to come to it when it's very simply explained like this. So um, herbs, for example, have been used... For thousands of years. I believe the earliest found herb was like 50,000 years ago. There was oh. some herb found buried with some kind of caveman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, guy. Yeah. Um, and it was a healing herb. Yeah. They fa- they found some evidence that he had some kind of worms in his yeah. intestine. And that from bones. They're pretty amazing yeah. what they can figure out. Yeah. And that that herb, he was carrying around in a little satchel to heal himself from that. Wow. So humans have been using herbs for a very long time. Right. And we've experimented. So like, imagine, you know, millions of people taking herbs and then passing on what they learned. The really bad herbs, like they just killed people, so they just didn't continue, so they couldn't pass the knowledge (laughs) out, right? So if you went to the forest and you were like, hey, this berry's cool and you ate it, you wouldn't be able to give the knowledge that like, yeah, so it's even interesting how people came up with things being really poisonous because Mm -hmm. someone had to almost die and then like relate that information or they had to be in a group. Now, give this uh, process enough time and you you have a healing practice that's based on experience, which is just like uh, – and uh, Chinese medicine herbalism strikes me a lot like that, where mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't really care that much about the theory of really why why it's working as much as it cares about this is how it moves the energy because we've observed it. Right. And if you see this pattern in the body, uh, these symptoms together, this constellation, this herb just heals that. Why? Right. We tried it in a thousand people and it worked. We can't tell you what chemical is in it, but it doesn't matter for our purposes. So there's this over-reliance on trying to understand the most finest, deepest thing about matter in science rather than thinking, like, what's the use of it? Right.
1: And I would say – I would challenge you and say that the why – in your context, you're saying why as in, like, scientifically why it is. But I would say that, like, the symbolic science of Chinese medicine is Mm. the science in its own own right. Like, you can say why – and you can explain it in Chinese medicine. You can explain the flavor or the temperature of mm. the herb or the the energetic movement of the herb. That's why it causes healing. And that can be, like, agreed upon and just as rigorous an explanation as being like, oh, this compound is in that herb and doing this and that part of the body, I do this mm. and that part. It's just a different system. It's a different way of thinking. Mm. And I personally, like... Like, there is definitely trial and error in, in, in these ancient medicines, but I also definitely believe that there's there's some kind of transmittance or some kind of intuition, like some kind of system of thinking that, like what we were saying earlier about specificity of seed mm-hmm. or doctrine of signature, the system of thinking gives them tools to be scientific, quote-unquote, to be scientific in their science.
0: It's based on almost an, an internal science or a psychic science, right? So I have thought about this, like... How did the ancients figure out how herbs worked, right? Mm -hmm. Besides just like, you know, trying some random herb and seeing if it worked. I mean, that doesn't explain how all these formulas were developed. Right. Because there's no way you can accidentally fall upon a 14 herb formula that if you miss one herb, something goes wrong with it. Right. So what I kind of uh, came to is... We can perceive our own internal state, especially if we practice and focus and meditation, things like that. So, um, for some of my workshops, I've done this this meditation in the beginning where we uh, studying the effects of fire, that element fire or mm. heat as a kind of energetic quality. Um, I made a cinnamon and ginger tincture, and we uh, we sat. It's very that's yeah. very spicy, and very hot. And we sat, and I didn't I didn't tell anyone any of the medicinal effects. Yeah, I'm like. Try it. Put on it your tongue. Taste it. Swallow it. And then like, let's sit and breathe and just notice any sensations you feel in your body. And lo and behold, uh, I kind of went around in a circle. And I was like, "What did you feel?" And someone's like, "Oh, I just started salivating and I felt my stomach kind of gurgling and yeah. this and that. I felt really warm, kind of uh, yeah. sweating." And uh, you look into the medicinal properties of it, and it's like. It stimulates digestion yeah. it's uh, creating saliva it's cr- it's basically causing the digestive system to start secreting juices that we need right. to um and then it's heating in an energetic sense so like makes you feel warm opens up your blood vessels right uh generates your metabolism so like you feel it as heat but it's really scientifically metabolism right. and also chi in right. another way of looking at it so yeah. i Maybe that's how they came up with it.
1: Yeah, I would say it's, it's all there at the same time. Like you can say scientifically it's, it's from this, but you can also say from this system of thinking of Chinese medicine, it's the qi moving into the surface, let's say. And I think the modern people are not as aware of their body as, as people in the past just because there's so many distractions. Our cell phones, our computers, our drive to be productive all the time. But ultimately we we come back into ourselves and this kind of goes back into um, doing body work for me is a great way to ground myself back to my body and back into experience. And I think herbal medicine, like a big part of it had to come from people just taking herbs and not just seeing that, oh, it cured this disease, but being able to see internally where it's going, what it's doing, what layer of the body it's in, which organ it's going to, how it's affecting it. Yeah. All that. Not just like the outcomes that I can produce, but like the like more
0: fine-tuned movements of the herb in the body, right? And I think that in a sense, if that method is perfected, that's even more accurate than uh, the scientific method of just studying tons of you know study participants. But like, I took this herb and like it felt like this in my stomach. And then you have like a kind of theory that develops around that. Like, right. Oh, I noticed that these three herbs kind of do that same thing in my stomach. I'm going to call them like these kind of herbs. Right. And then you find that there's something related to them. Yeah. And I then think you kind of reverse engineered that in a sense where now you look for that quality in herbs. And once you find it, you're like, it must do the same thing. Right. So it like stacks, right. The knowledge stacks and stacks. Yeah. As long
1: as the practitioner or as long as whoever is coming up with this body of knowledge it's being is, honest. It's being honest and being able to feel, being able to be true to their own body and mm. sen- like have sensation of that. Mm. That's, I, th- I think that would be way more, inform- like way more information gained from that than having these big cohort studies because everyone takes these herbs and, and yeah, you can get like a general census of like what kind of the herb does, but everyone's bodies are so different and mm. everyone's metabolism is different. Everyone's whatever their state of their body is different. So like... You put something in there, obviously it's going to have a different result for each individual.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. So I've, I've uh, enjoyed this conversation a lot. Um, we've touched on a lot of great things. We've spoken about uh, Chinese medicine philosophy, about the five phases or elements, how they're related to the organs. Uh, we talked about body work and physical touch, chi, all these uh, great and wonderful things and the future of Possibly uh, science, like maybe a new Mm -hmm. science that integrates all these different um, knowledges. Um, So you have a massage work that you do, right?
1: Right, yeah. I'm a massage um, therapist right now.
0: Okay. Is there uh, there any way that our audience can get in contact with you?
1: Yeah. um, My email is uh, alexander.hung11 at gmail.com. Okay. Um, and that's, um, my business email around that. I, I kind of just started my personal, uh, practice. Um, I'm also working at, um, Serene Care. It's a acupuncture clinic uh, down in Southeast Portland.
0: Awesome. Um, so what kind of services do you offer in terms of what massages do you give and what's like, why are you doing it and what can people kind of expect from it?
1: Yeah. So I think. Recently, I've been really interested in, in like, the orthobiotomy, so-tie kind of light uh, work, but I'm definitely um, much more uh, trained and seasoned in, um, like, Chinese toy na techniques. So I definitely look at the body through a Chinese medicine lens, uh, basing my massage method around the the organ networks and the meridians, um, both in terms of, physical pain, but also, um, deeper pathology. Mm. Uh, I think massage is a great way to help with like chronic disease. Mm-hmm. Um, other than, I mean, pain is definitely the easiest thing to see how, mm-hmm. uh, like direct effects from it. But mm-hmm. over, over time, I think, uh, massage, um, has a good effect on chronic disease. Uh, shiatsu is the other thing that I practice a lot. And I feel like that, uh, that has a very good, um, it's like overall smoothing of the 12 channels mm-hmm. um, kind of effect. And I would like kind of liken it to to constitutional hydrotherapy mm-hmm. that, we, that we do at that New clinic.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. I remember one time um, you gave me part of a shiatsu massage mm-hmm. and that was awesome, especially the part where you were like kind of rocking me back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a cool practice. I think physical uh, therapies and massage are not nearly utilized as much as they can be, and they can be very healing, even on the minds. Yeah. And nice. the spirit, not just the physical body, with uh, Reiki and um, more energetic means of uh, physical healing.
1: Yeah, and I think that's part of any encounter of touch. So there's always an interaction of energetics there. Mm. Um, definitely modern um, idea of massage i think is very limited mm-hmm. i think there's so much more that i can offer than
0: just to the physical body. absolutely well we exchanged some fiery energy today so so thank you for that <laughs> yeah we were jumping all yeah, this over was, the place uh, this, was, this was a lot of fun um so yeah guys this is uh herbal hour the holistic podcast for all your natural medicine needs take care guys have a good night